Thoughts, fast thoughts. I'm Adam Daniel Mazay. Welcome back again, my friends. The weather has taken a decided turn for the better. The sun is out again. And at least we don't have to wear gloves when we work out in the morning or toques with snow at the end of May here. At the center of the known universe! Otherwise known as the all-knowing, all-seeing, all-important, all-the-time, always-right, Big T. That's right, Toronto, you know it. Everybody does, especially the rest of Canada. So I'm going to ask a series of questions. These are things that I think you need to ask. I'm not taking any particular position on any of these matters. You know ADM doesn't take any positions on anything. It's always neutral all the time. But I figured I would ask these questions because they're the kind of ones that make you go, hmm. So here's an interesting question for you that I'm going to pose right now. Question number one. Why is the province of Ontario and other provinces as well, why Are they still in lockdown? Why is there still the consideration of an extension of the stay-at-home order in the province of Ontario beyond Wednesday, June the 2nd? Why? Why is that under consideration? Why? When you have other jurisdictions that are completely open, completely open. You watch ball games, hockey games, taking place in the U.S. with full stadiums, with no severe knock-on health effects. The rescinding, for example, of mask orders and distancing orders and things of that nature, with no noticeable market knock-on effects health-wise. Yet for some reason, people seem to be okay with a government that's considering an extension of a stay-at-home order for a virus that has basically, allegedly, because of course people die from all sorts of things, don't they? Not just from one thing, they die from all kinds of things. A virus that has killed over 25,500 people in a nation of 38 million. Ask yourself why the government would even consider, well, it's not really the government, it's the health bureaucrats that are unelected and that earn very high mid-six-figure salaries. You need to ask yourself why they're advising the extension of a stay-at-home order. Now, it's all fine and dandy for those people that are boomers, that have made their money already. It's all fine and dandy for those people that don't really need to go out there and hump a lump. What about those people that are on the make, that are on the rise? What about those people that are trying to do well in their chosen crafts? What about people that need to interact with other people, 
you know, have idea sex and other sorts of sex and basically interact. What about those people that haven't really achieved the pinnacle of their success, that haven't self-actualized? What do you do about people like that? So ask yourself the question, why would they even countenance an extension of emergency decrees when there is no, look at the science, no demonstrable health effects? That's one question. The fact that people would be okay with that, or that passively accept that consequence, is something very interesting to observe. And when I tell my friends in other parts of the world that this is what is persisting here in Ontario, they don't understand why. But I digress. All right, here's another question you should ask yourself. Questions. Questions, not taking positions. ADM doesn't take any positions. ADM commentates. So here it is. Why is there such a rush to take an experimental vaccine that is not approved by the FDA? It has been authorized by governments under emergency power decrees and such, emergency orders and such, for use on the part of the population. Why is there such a rush to so-called mass vaccinate people? If the virus has been with us for a year and a half plus, what's another day? What's another week? What's another couple of months even to see how things percolate, to see the knock-on, potential knock-on health effects, right? If we divide the timeline into short, medium, and long-term, why don't we wait for a medium-term result? See how this, because it is an experiment, and it's even referred to as such by the pharma companies themselves, experimental vaccine, experimental treatments. Why don't we wait for a medium-term observation? Of course, we won't get a long-term observation until the long-term actually transpires. But why the rush? Why right now? Why right now? Why the rush? Right now, right now. It's interesting. Why not wait maybe another couple weeks, couple months? It's interesting, right? Okay. There's that question. Here's another question. If it's so safe, why do you need to offer blandishments to people, and especially children, to get vaccinated in many instances without the consent of their own parents? Why do you need to offer rewards, lanyaps? Why do you need to offer bonuses, enticements, if it is so good Objectively speaking, in other words, if it has efficacy, objectively speaking, why do you need to offer treats? Why do you need to make it into like a festive, sort of, you know, jubilant, jocular type of atmosphere? Why can't it just be? Why do you need to go behind parents' backs? Why can't you work in concert with parents? A very intelligent statement had been expressed by one of my colleagues who said, and again, just sort of putting it out there, giving you a smorgasbord of things to consider, 
if you love your children, don't send them to public school. Because ultimately, I think what happens is when you send them to government schools, they're completely out of your observation range. They're completely out of, dare I say, your control. And they are your children, and you have a right and a duty to control them and to look after their welfare. Here's another question. Again, just laying out the questions, something to consider. Why do you need to, watch this, watch my fingers now, mass vaccinate a population demographic that does not show any demonstrable scientific statistical propensity to either become severely ill or die, God forbid, from this virus. Essentially, anybody who's 45 and under, and if you really want to be sort of a generous, you can say even 60 and under, has an over 99% chance of recovery. Why do you need to vaccinate people that don't need a vaccination? Question. You can respond to that however you wish. Okay, here's another question. Why do you need to refer to people that do not have symptoms as asymptomatic? You basically mean that people are healthy, right? Why do you have to use clever terminology? Again, the over what we, what we see here in Canada, and this has been the case for, for decades, is there's intelligent and there's smart by half. Smart by half is you look like you're smart, but you're not very smart. Again, just an observation of the Canadian mentality. It's the, as some people would call them, educated dunces, smart by half. So, yeah, there's that question as well. Doesn't make sense why you need to inject experimental vaccines, which produce, this leads to my next point, potential toxins. There haven't been enough controlled studies for something known as spike proteins. Spike proteins in vaccines produce an immune response. The persistence of spike proteins in the bloodstream trigger the immune system to fight off the surfeit of spike proteins. But the spike proteins don't expunge themselves. They remain present in the bloodstream, which continues to trigger the immune system response continuously like an ice cream pump that primes itself without stopping, eventually blowing out your motor. Because we've had no medium-term and long-term studies of what happens with the injection of any of these so-called vaccines, you don't know what the long-term or medium-term effects are. And as I say, and as I observe, if you haven't had kids before, if you are a woman and you're young, if you're a man and you haven't had kids before, um, and generally, if you're a healthy person, why do you want to mess with spike proteins? Why do you want to get your immune system firing off in ways that it's not ultimately genetically designed to do? Just a question, something you need to ask yourself. Um, here's another interesting observation. Why the change in the story? We had spoken about the provenance of this virus, whether it was 
bioengineered in a virology lab for what's known as a gain of function enhancement. In other words, to do something that it's not designed to do. If there initially was strong condemnation of that theory, but now that theory is being discussed quite readily and it's being offered as a legitimate, quite plausible virology provenance, where this virus comes from, designed in a lab by human hands, tweaked and designed by human hands for release into the human population. That's interesting. That was not allowed to be discussed months ago, but now the media is discussing it quite regularly. Why the change in the narrative? What do you say in response to that? Hmm. So when you ask people about all these questions, they generally, unfortunately, don't have good responses because the narrative, and one could say the propaganda, because if the government is blasting messages, then the government has a reason for blasting messages. They obviously didn't equip the people with the necessary rebuttals, and so they don't have much to respond to. Now, let's just say everything in summary very straightforwardly. You can do whatever you want, whenever you want, provided it's within legal limits and within reason. Nobody can tell you what to do, how to do it. Again, you can't commit crimes. Obviously, this cannot be an anarchic society. You can do whatever you want. Nobody's telling you you can't do anything. Just have information at your disposal. Ask questions. These are the types of questions that should be readily available on various FAQs, facts, and things like that. You should be able to ask these questions quietly. Um, why do you need to encounter resistance or obloquy when you present these issues? It's just interesting to note. If it were so good, in other words, if, we're, if these various topics of conversation that I have enumerated are so sort of apparent, why aren't they more widely discussed? And what about this issue? Again, back to the children. What about mandatory in-school vaccinations in cafeterias or gym basements or whatever, unbeknownst to parents, without the need for their parental consent? What do you say to parents that don't want that, um, that don't buy into that, and that are vehemently opposed to that? What is your response to parents and their asserting of their parental authority? What do you say to parents of that nature? Why don't you have adequate responses? Why do school board trustees, principals, one could say teachers, educators, why do they dodge the responses to those questions, right? Again, back to the old aphorism, very sagely shared with me by a colleague. If you send your children to public school, you really don't love them that much. And the reason you don't love them that much is because they're completely beyond your control and under the sort of umbrella of various government programs and government curricula and things of that nature, which, as we can clearly see from a lot of the things that are going on in the current era, is not really ultimately good for people doesn't provide a wide and 
um, varied enough educational panorama. It's very siloed and very one-sided. Again, all observations, not taking any positions on anything, just laying out the facts for you to consider um, and things that you should ask yourself and ask other people when they come at you like a howitzer, you need to stop them in their tracks and go, but what about all the things that I mentioned? What about mandatory vaccinations for people when they're not in risk categories? What about the lack of a need to obtain parental consent in schools um, to vaccinate children that are between 12 and 15 or 12 and 18? What about the fact that other jurisdictions across the entire United States are now no longer in any kind of a lockdown situation and they've um, dispensed with prophylactic measures, masks and things of that nature and distancing? All of that stuff has been dispensed with. Why the need to maintain it in Canada? Um, you know, ask ask about the stats. You know, again, look at the stats. Only 25,000 people in a country where people <clears throat> die from all manner of things all year long. Heart issues, diabetes, car accidents, other accidents, motorcycle accidents. Gosh, I don't know what. Drug, o- drug overdoses, liver disease, you know, things of that nature. Cancers, God forbid. All those things. Heaven forfends. But 25,000 in a nation of 38 million is not a statistical anomaly, unfortunately, because it's in the aggregate. It seems like a large number, but ultimately it's not. It's within statistical norms. You have to ask yourself those questions. And then the ultimate question, which is a really good one to ask, you generally don't have good responses to this one, which is a vaccine, any one of the companies, Pfizer, BioNTech, Moderna, J&J, or the much maligned AstraZeneca, none of these four vaccines have been approved by the Food and Drug Administration in the United States. They are not approved. They are authorized. You think a 12-year-old can make the, the distinction between approved and authorized, but I digress. They have not been approved. They're just authorized under emergency decree. How do you, how do you get people to understand that? And what is their response? Generally, not very positive. I think most people's responses are And that's what you notice here, my American friends. You notice this here in Canada, which is a very, very unfortunate societal phenomenon. The government said that that's what it is, and therefore the government is good, which in Canada the government is unfortunately not quite good. It's not quite competent and not quite capable. Um, The majority of Canadians don't like Canadian government. And so um, it needs to, of course, change. Um, But that's what people say. The government says we need to do it, therefore we do it. That's a frightening prospect. And it's also a terrifying prospect um, to live amongst people that have attitudes of that nature, um, that they would believe those things unquestioningly and do government bidding. The less government is involved in your life, the better it is. In all spheres, across all disciplines, the less government involvement, the more freedom ultimately you have liberty to do the things that you want and the less interference the more efficient society operates swifter it moves and the safer people are ultimately questions you need to ask yourself my friends none of these issues are ADM's positions strictly things I'm laying out there I never take positions on this vlog ever thank you again for watching my friends I hope you've enjoyed this it's a gorgeous day get some vitamin D Vitamin D is really healthy, generally very healthy, and it wards off all sorts of potential maladies. Just saying. 
Breathe freely. Unobstructed nasal and mouth air passages. Wishing you and yours many, many good things. Fast thoughts? Fast thoughts.